Sunday Show Fire Podcast. I'm your host, Captain Carmen. We got the co-host back in town, Mr. Downtown Brown. Hey, hey. There it is. The infamous hey. It's back. It's back. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> we got uh, the commish. Hey. So uh, we decided we're going to stick with the same theme of uh, stud sleeper stash and bust, right? But uh, I think we collectively agreed that when we looked at the studs for the AFC South, there was realistically only two guys that we, you know, we felt it's pretty obvious, right? I mean, Jonathan Taylor and Derrick Henry, I think we're all in a unanimous on that one. Oh yeah. 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 I'd say so. Uh, It's hard to make a, you know, it's tough for me to, you know, come off, um, you know, trying to make a case for anyone else. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick with uh, the chalk guys. <laughs> so, Kamish, you had a, a great little idea that me and Aaron can kind of duke it out on our two perspectives on the studs. And then you can let us you can let let us know what where you're swaying. Yeah, that was a quick little idea I had. But uh, looks like we're going to take it to the air here. And you know, it'd be nice to hear you two going at it. And I can just sit back and relax and facilitate a little bit and let you uh, – beat up on each other a little bit and I'll tell you who I thought uh, came out on top of it. <laughs> Takes me back to the end season DraftKings days. I, I want to say. <laughs> oh yeah. Me and Aaron had some classic uh, <laughs> back and <laughs> forth. Commission, you're going to be, you're going to be part of that, uh, uh, that machine gun fire of blasting each other's horrible DraftKings picks. So get your uh, armor ready. When you, yeah, once yeah, you get the season. I love the daily season. That'll, that'll be fun for sure when that rolls around, but we'll have to do with uh, a straight-up 1v1 Taylor versus Henry for now. All right, so I decided to take Derrick Henry. Um, so I guess I'll, I'll kick it off. And I went with Derrick Henry knowing that the popular pick is going to be JT, right? So here's my thought process on it. And I, I did say, you know, the one caveat is obviously health, right? I'm considering if both players are healthy and they played the whole season, I'll take Derrick Henry. I'll take Derrick Henry over pretty much anyone on the planet. If both play, if he's healthy and he plays the whole season. Um, Now, if we're talking dynasty asset future, then it's a different story. I'm looking at from the lens of win now in dynasty or redraft or who's the better player for this year. Right. So that's the lens I'm looking at it from. And the, the thing that just glares to me is Derrick Henry finished a top 15 running back last year. Let me repeat. <laughs> he was a top 15 running back and he played eight games. So that in itself is, is argument alone that had he played a full season, he would have blown everyone out the water. So I'll, I'll set the table with that first point as, as to why I, I went with Derrick Henry. All right, all right. So I definitely hear you. I mean, this is a, a, a good debate to have, especially in this d- division, which which running back is RB1 of the, of the division. I definitely think it's a good conversation to have, right? If you're looking to see, you know, we've talked about best ball and different, different, um, 
you know, competitions, um, you know, in, in fantasy in that respect. And, you know, if you're just looking for overall points in 2022, um, I think you do kind of go back and forth. Well, how can you debate Derrick Henry's um, pedigree, right? Like he's undoubtedly, you know, the best running back in the league. Um, you know, he kind of shows it, um, you know, year to year, you know, he, like you said, he was, he was still RB one after he got hurt. I want to say for like the next four to five weeks, like he was still the, the number one, uh, back in the league. Right. Um, it took, it took weeks for all the other guys and Chubb and Taylor to even catch up to him. So, um, definitely hats off to the guy for that. Um, but knowing me, um, I do tend to not always look at history. I try to look forward into the upcoming season and kind of try to guess what's going to happen. And for me, I kind of just looked at the differences between what happened in the off season between the two teams. And I kind of looked at it where I think the Colts got stronger and the, and the Titans got weaker. Right. Um, you know, if you are comparing the backs, um, you know, now Jonathan JT has an, a, a, a proven established QB on his team, you know, moving the change more, the chains more. It's very important, um, you know, in the running game, just your overall, you know, I think when we talk about it in season, just your overall team, um, you know, usually the better teams that have winning records or, you know, above average teams usually tend to do better um, in the running game. And then on top of that, their defense too. So I looked at their offseason ads, remember, you know, grabbing Ryan, they got Stefan Gilmore, Nagakwe. They picked up, and then not to mention, they still are bringing back to Forrest Buckner, Leonard, and um, I, can, I can never pronounce his name right, but they're, they're middle linebackers, super fast, had over 130 tackles last year as a, a pretty young middle linebacker, too. So um, I think just comparing the teams, I think the, the Colts got better, Titans got worse. Um, you know, Tannehill showed to be a little bit shaky towards the end, definitely in the playoffs, even though they, they had a pretty good run for it. Um, you know, you, you lose AJ Brown, you lose some of your weapons where you got to remember some of, you know, the Titans success over the past couple of years have been how efficient they've been in the red zone. Um, you know, they did, they have, they are putting a lot of eggs in one basket with, uh, Traylon Burks to try to take, take Brown's spot. You know, they do got Robert Woods. Um, but it's a couple pieces that, you know, are a little unproven. You don't know if they're going to be that red zone team that they have been in the past before. So. You know, when you're talking running backs, red zone and touchdowns matter, even though you do see Derek Henry breaking those 80, 90 yard touchdown runs, you know, it doesn't have, you can't, you can't count on that every game. Right. So I think I, I went, I swayed a little bit more the overall team. I think Colts kind of shift forward in the division. Um, that's just my thought. You know, they are two very good running backs, but I, I kind of going to the seeing if Taylor can take over the crown as a King Taylor, even though King Henry's kind of got a better ring to it. Okay. All right. So I hear you on that, but here's where I'm, I'll use your own logic against you. Um, I view it as this way, uh, subtraction by addition, not addition by subtraction, subtraction by addition. One would argue that Jonathan Taylor's best part of his season was toward the end of the year last year. One would also argue that's because they couldn't trust Carson Wentz to throw the football. Now they've got Matt Ryan. So in those games where it's close, they're not going to have to feel like we got to just force speed Jonathan Taylor. We can actually throw the football. 
I go to the Tennessee Titans and what they have shown you when Derrick Henry's on the field is one thing and one thing only. We will feed him and then feed him some more and then we'll feed him some more. And you can't stop it. Lots of luck. So the fact that they got rid of AJ Brown, I only look at that as more potential volume for Derrick Henry. That's the way I view it. And, and just looking, like I said, numbers wise, Derrick Henry last year had 204 points through the first eight games of the season. 204. Everyone talks about Jonathan Taylor's big year. If you extrapolate what Derrick Henry did over the next eight games, he would have beaten Jonathan Taylor by week 17. By week 17, he would have already surpassed him and wouldn't even need to play in week 17. So when he's healthy and he's playing, there isn't a better running back on the planet. And like I said, I think the Colts now have a proven quarterback who they will also rely on. It won't just be the Jonathan Taylor show. Where in Tennessee, even with AJ Brown, <laughs> it was always the Derrick Henry show. And Mike Vrabel has always said that, and that's not changing. Yeah, no, I mean, de- definitely good points. I mean, I don't, I don't really think it really relates as a one-on-one, uh, you know, addition by subtraction with with the Titans. You got to remember in the NFL, you know, the better your record is, the harder your your schedule is, right? So. Colts have a more favorable um, schedule this season, um, you know, with the Titans only losing two, two games in the regular season. You know, you got that into play as well, where, you know, their matchups are slightly harder, although they, you know, they are playing each other in the same division. If you're looking against, you know, them when they line up against each other, the Titans and the Colts, I think, you know, I, 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 for right now, I'm going to say the Colts are the better team and usually better teams are running towards the end of the game. Right. So, I, I think it was a fluke that they went, they only lost two games last year. I, I really don't, I mean, Vrabel did a hell of a job coaching. Can they repeat and be first in the AFC with this, you know, the, all this competition in the AFC? I don't think Tannehill can do it. And, and you really do need a moving offense to, uh, to really compete. And yes, the, the Taylor's, uh, you know, late game stretch, uh, you know, he had a couple great games there where they had to rely on him, but you know, you can't just be one dimensional in the, in the NFL. Right. So uh, I do think it's very important that, that Henry did lose Brown. It just adds a different element. You know, the, you gotta, you gotta keep, you gotta keep teams honest. Right. So I, I do get it. I do. I know he, he's scary. Um, yeah, I think there's a chance that, um, you know, the Colts can just flip that division around this year. Like I said, trying to look forward, not look at it historic. You know, history says you're right, right? But I'm, I'm trying to look forward in the 2022 season. And I guess that's my case. But, yeah, I, I, I do like both backs. Yeah, and I, I, I think what you're saying is all well and good if you're talking real football. But I think we're talking fantasy football. And I think, yep, the Colts uh, made better moves in the offseason. They might be a better football team. Not even, I won't even debate it. Mike, the point I'm making is when we're talking fantasy viable running backs, a healthy Derrick Henry is the, the man until proven otherwise. Like I said, 204 points in eight weeks. 
Yeah. In eight weeks. Yeah, it, I think it really depends on that, that pass. If their pass rush can, you know, um, you know, do what they did last year, you know, with Bud Dupree coming back and them kind of getting hot. Um, who was it? Opry. I, I think, uh, they, they, they got some sacks, right? So that really, that kept the games closer to where they could run it. But, you know, if they get behind in some of the games this year, like you can, you can still run Henry all you want, but they're, they don't really get them involved when they're, they're playing behind, you know, by two scores. You, sometimes they throw a screen his way and whatnot, but that's usually when it's a closer game. So, um, I guess I'm looking at it. Do I really think the overall the Titans can um, repeat themselves from from last year to th- this year? I think that really translates with this game. Um, you know, they, they really got to at least be competitive. I'm not saying win games all the time, but they got to be competitive. And I, I think, um, you know, yeah, maybe against Houston, maybe against Jacksonville, those games. Um, yeah, Henry might run crazy, right? And run out the stadium, right? But um I guess we'll kind of see, but I think I left it up to the overall team. I really does think that I, I really think that translates into how well your, your running stats end up being at the end of the year. Okay. And then I guess my last point, since we're talking strength of schedule and all that stuff, I think when you're looking at these two running backs, the opponent doesn't necessarily matter. um, Because I think they're both supreme talents. What I will say is this, the last three games that matter in the playoffs for fantasy purposes Jonathan Taylor is on the road two out of the three. He's going to Minnesota, and he's going to be playing uh, in New York. So you could get some cold, crappy weather games, whereas Derrick Henry will be playing two out of the three at home. So that's another advantage for Mr. Henry when it matters, when the stakes matter. And then I feel like I've been hearing this because my cousin is a diehard Colts fan. I feel like I've been hearing the Colts are going to win the division now for three years. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like yeah. I've been hearing this for three years. Oh, this is the year the Colts do it. This is the year the Colts do it. They've got Carson Wentz. This is the year. This is the year. And then all Mike Vrabel does, uh, acts to the grindstone and <laughs> just beat, beat up on yeah. the division. And that he's continued to do it. And with a healthy Derrick Henry, I think uh, he'll continue to do that as well. So that's my, that's my closing argument. Okay, fine. all right. I like it. I like you both brought some heat there. That that was really fun to sit back and sit back and listen to and soak it all in. So nice job, to both of you, on that front. What I'll say here in this in this debate is when it comes to dynasty and, and Captain Carmen, you said it right off the top here. When it comes to dynasty, there's not an argument here. It's Jonathan Taylor by by a lot. Just really just based on the age. Derek Henry's 28 years old, which is on the definitely on the older end for a running back. Uh, Jonathan Taylor is 23. So there's not really a case to be made from a dynasty standpoint, but when you just look at it through the lens, lens of a redraft league, or if you just want to narrow it down to just the 2022 season, it really does get very interesting. And that's, that's where you guys both kind of took the argument from, which is why it was so much fun to listen to. I would love to have both assets to draft, to draft Jonathan Taylor or Derek Henry. You're probably going to need a top three pick in a redraft league this season. And JT is probably going to be the number one player coming off the board. But if I personally wanted one particular player for this year, it would be Derrick Henry, and here's why. You know, the the Colts have Naheem Hines in that backfield, and if they do fall behind in these games, Frank Reich has talked about him getting, getting more involved in the pass-catching game. As one of the best pass-catching running backs in the league, he's a guy who is going to carve out that role for himself if the Colts were to fall behind in these games. Compared to Derrick Henry, 
who is sharing a backfield with rookie Hassan Haskins and Dontrell Hilliard. This is only backup. And I know we have that bias of Derrick Henry coming off an injury last season. And that was really the only time he ever broke down. So for now, it's a one-off thing. I, I don't think he's going to be a guy who keeps humming at a high level for two, three, four more years. But for one season only, I think Derrick Henry is probably the guy that, that I would want for this year. And one more thing, too, uh, against Taylor, as great as he is, the Colts offense last year, for all the struggles that Carson Wentz had, they were still eighth in the league in points scored. Matt Ryan, I, I do think, is an upgrade, even at age 37, at, at, you know, getting up there in years in his NFL career. I still I, – I just don't think that he's really going to unlock Indies to, to go much higher than that in terms of the points scored. So I think they're going to be in the back end of the top ten and scoring again this year. But I think it's going to be a more balanced approach. You know, like you both agreed, down the stretch, it was pretty much all Derrick Henry. and They didn't trust Carson Wentz to do anything, which is when Taylor really feasted until the very final week or two of the year. So I think that Matt Ryan comes in, throws it around a little bit more. They, they finish around the same area in scoring, but Jonathan Taylor takes a little bit of a hit on that front in the uh, you know the scoring department. I think I can see that touchdown total coming down a bit this year. So really good points on both sides. Jonathan Taylor is the best dynasty asset of the group. But if I want a guy this year, I would actually feel a little bit about Derrick Henry than I would about Jonathan Taylor for the 2022 season. Okay. All right. So who won the argument? <laughs> it sounds like King Henry won. Yeah. Captain uh, Carter. For, 20, for the 2022, for the sake of the 2022 season, I'm going to go with the Derrick Henry side. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard. It's hard not to go with Henry. Like I said, with the, with this, with this past performances. Right. So, um, one thing I will say, it is so it is very tough for running backs to repeat themselves year after year, right? Being the yes, if Henry played out the whole year, he would have been RB one. Um, you know, there's not too many repeated, you know, performances with running backs going RB one year after year after year, right? So it's just it's is more on his on his shoulders to repeat. And I like I said, I think that offense is changing so much that I think that's the that's the biggest caveat I'd be worried for, but. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm really just trying to pick, <laughs> pick, nitpick here. Um, but yeah, no, I, uh, I, I agree. I think Henry's still a, a top option. So is JT. Um, I'll, I'll humbly, um, take a bow with, uh, <laughs> with that conversation there. Yeah, I think it was good. It was definitely fun. I like that. We, I think we all just collectively agreed that the two studs are those two guys. And, you know, we could have went with like, who would we like other than those two? But Kamish, you had a great, a great idea to kind of for us to kind of put our, our thinking caps on um, for that one. So that was that was kind of fun. So I guess now we can get into our sleeper picks, and then Kamish, since me and Aaron did all the talking uh, early, you want to kick it off with your AFC South sleeper pick? I'd love to, and I'm actually going to stick with the Indianapolis Colts for this one. And I'm going to the rookie well. You know, we're coming out of rookie draft season here, so I, a lot of those guys are still fresh in my mind. And I'm going to go with wide receiver Alec Pierce. He's currently Fantasy Pros expert consensus ranking number 182. He's the 73rd wide receiver off the board. And right now, if you're taking, if you're looking at him in redraft, he's going undrafted. You know, he's like number 240 or something like that in ADP. So he's got really good size going in his favor, working for him. He's six three, and he's got second round draft capital behind him, which is nice to see. And what I really like about him is he's got the opportunity to be the Colts' number two pass catching option right out of the gate behind Michael Pittman Jr. You know, if you look around the rest of the team, T.Y. Hilton's gone. And what's left behind is 
guys like Ashton Doolin, Desmond Patman, Kiki QT, and DeMichael Harris at their wide receiver spots. And if you if you go a little bit further and look at the tight ends, you see guys like Moelle Cox and Kyle Granson and fellow rookie Jelani Woods, who I, I think is – Miss, I got I to gotta cut you off. Yeah. You forgot Paris Campbell. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh. You know, that that's the guy I have too many shares of, so maybe I just tried to block that unpleasant memory. Block it out, yeah. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, that, that's a good call, and I did forget that. See how I went right, I went right past Paris Campbell. Look at Ashton Doolin and Desmond Patman. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, Doolin, I think kind of he might might have won that uh, slot role last year. He kind of filled in at you know different you know nice times last year. Yeah, he showed to be a nice little you know third or fourth option. You know, I think more of a better NFL player than a fantasy relevant guy for sure. But yeah, he he was okay in small spurts last season. But yeah, so we got Paris Campbell in the mix as well, coming back on the final year of his rookie contract. You know, to be fair though, that guy's a hangnail away from working at McDonald's, you know, no respect, to, <laughs> no disrespect to the hamburger flippers of the world. But I think that experiment is coming gone. But I, again, I really, really high in this guy, Alec Pierce, you know, he's, he's stepping into this offense here with Matt Ryan taking over under center. Who's a capable veteran quarterback who has produced multiple fantasy relevant players on the same team, you know, many times during his career with the Atlanta Falcons, you, know, you go back, he got guys like Roddy White and Julio Jones playing well together and then transitioning to Julio Jones in the Calvin Ridley era. And Tony Gonzalez was mixed in some of those seasons as well on those Falcons teams as a, as a capable pass catching option. So now that Ryan's in a new spot, he actually is going to have some time to throw the ball behind a real offensive line. I think he's going to you know, recoup some of what he used to be. And I think he, he's certainly capable of supporting both the Michael Pittman Jr. As well as another pass catching option. And when I look around the Indianapolis Colts pass catching rooms, the tight ends and the receiver position specifically, I don't see a ton of guys who are going to steal, you know, be, be major target hogs. You know, if you want a guy like Alec Pierce in rookie drafts as well, the cost is pretty affordable. He's going in the middle of round two of rookie drafts, maybe even in the late second round in a super flex leagues. So he's a guy that when if you take a shot on him late in a, in a redraft league or even in a rookie draft, you're getting him with minimal risk at the spot you're going to take him. And he's a guy that really gives you nothing but upside. And he's someone who is easy enough to pivot away from this season if he doesn't give you the results you're looking for relatively quickly. So I'm wheels up on Alec Pierce and uh, you know, I can see him easily outperforming his ADP considering his ADP is just about nothing. At the I love it. I love Pierce as, as captain knows, I, I was a big Cincinnati fan last year. I was kind of one of the homers there rooting from them to make the playoffs and whatnot. So I got a little bit of chance to watch him last year. And like you said, I think he's, he's, you know, just walked into just a perfect position to, start out as a rookie, right? So I think the only reason I'm not as high on him is I got Pittman in a, in a league or, or so. So, um, but I love, I love it. I love the take. Uh, I think as you pointed out, he's a perfect sleeper candidate, especially to just walk in as a wide, a wide receiver too on the team, on the depth chart. Um, I like it. Yeah. Uh, I like him a lot too, but I, I think I like him more of a, a stash piece. I guess I would probably put him in a stash category more than a sleeper. Um, just, I tend to go with sleepers. I tend to go with guys who have been in the league for a little bit, but that's just my own personal preference. So I guess I'm not really saying too much anti uh, call out on that one. I, I like the talent. I think he's got a good chance to be the wide receiver too over there. Um, I just would be with rookies. I tend to do more of a wait and see approach unless it's a, foregone conclusion 
But yeah, I like the talent. I think he's got all the makings to be a, a good fantasy viable option. So, Mr. Browntown, you want to give us your uh, your sleeper take? Yeah, yeah, and th- this will be one where I mean, I guess he has to be I mean, according to a lot of your guys' logic. Where if I if I called this guy a stud, where right, we already agreed, we we got to go between Henry and JT. That uh, I think he's got to be considered a, a sleeper, con- considering he didn't play last year. Um, I'm going Travis Etienne here with, with the with the Jaguars. I think you know we talk about game flow a lot. You know, in the season. We talk about, you know, we just talked about it with the JT and the Henry conversation earlier too. I love Etienne. Um, just, uh, just to remind everyone of, um, you know, everyone remembers he, uh, he led the ACC with mo- most points ever scored as a running back, right? Most rushing yards. And, and I think he had like 70, he had over 70 touchdowns, I, I want to say, right? So Etienne is a multi-threat back, um, playing with uh, Lawrence. I think that's a also a, an interesting piece to where you know Trevor Lawrence had a horrible year last year. Um, you know, I think he, to rebound this year, he needs to be a little more conservative. He, he needs to do more checkdowns, right? To you know, turn the ball bo- turn the ball over less. Um, you know, I think his career is riding a little bit on that as well. So you know, the 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 magic piece is to you know um, chuck it off to your to your running back. Right, check down to your running back there, and Etienne is a perfect PPR type of back. Um, I think he has all the capability of being a you know Camara type in years to come. Uh, you know, we we talk about you know if we're talking about the overall approach with the Jaguars, they're going to want to start the game off slow, give them the ball to run it, um, and then if they once once they do fall behind, which we know they will, right? They're gonna they're gonna need to throw it to him. So I really love Etienne's involvement this year. I think, um, you know, just to just when when players, you know, get injured for the full season, you know, a lot of owners, especially in Dynasty, sometimes get hesitant and how they're going to, you know, how they're going to perform. Um, you know, I think, you know, he's bounced back great in, in training cap, you know, all the all the reports and all that. I mean, obviously, that's what they want to say. But I mean, he's got he's got all the college accolades that you want, you know, coming out of college and, you know, not the most most points and, and rushing yards coming out of the ACC is pretty good accolade. I, I want to say, and especially, um, you know, working with this college QB, which we see works over in Cincinnati with the borough chase connection too. So, um, I really like that. I like him to be, a um, I don't know. He's kind of a mix in, in the middle between sleeper and stud where I, I really think, you know, this time next year we'll be talking stud category with him. Okay. Commissioner, I'll let you handle that one. So ETN's an interesting one. Um, I don't know if he's necessarily a sleeper candidate because he's still relatively expensive. I mean, he's the RB17 in dynasty rankings right now, in, uh, no, in terms of at least on fantasy pros anyway. So he's an interesting one, though. I'll, I'll, I'll give you this. Like, I don't, I don't really know where to throw him into this category because he's definitely not a depth guy because he's so expensive. Um, he's not a stud because he hasn't proven it. And I definitely don't see bust because I think he has a lot of the, of, of the skill set to be good on a bad team because he has those, those, those receiving ability that he showcased at Clemson. So he's a guy I actually really like in fantasy at the moment. And I like the call out overall. I, I, I think of the categories that we have to work with here, he does fit the, fit the mold best for a sleeper candidate. And he's a guy that I have some shares of in dynasty and I'm really interested to see what he can do when he gets back on the field this season. I just think he's a little too, 
expensive to be a true sleeper. But overall, I like the player. And I think he was definitely worth bringing up and discussing more in depth. Okay. All right. Well, I won't spend too much time on it, and, and, and we'll get into that later. But uh, I'll, I'll give you my sleeper category, my sleeper. I'll stick with the Jaguars, and I'm going to go with uh, tight end Evan Ingram. I, I think me and Browntown were talking about this like couple – might have been a year ago or two – a year and a half ago where we were saying, like, if there's someone who could use a change of scenery and probably, like, rejuvenate their career – it would be Evan Ingram. He'd be like the perfect candidate for that. Um, so I think, I don't know what his ADP is, but I'm guessing you can get him fairly cheap. So that's why I threw him in the sleeping category. And I think uh, with tight ends, it's kind of a dot throw. If you're not looking at these top, you know, three, four and five guys that you know are going to be there. And I think that Ingram has all the physical gifts. If he can stay on the field to be a nice binky for a young uh, quarterback. So I actually went with Evan Ingram as my sleeper call out at tight end. That's definitely a good call out. I, I do like that. You couldn't quit the giants player though. I, that, that was duly noted. I just want to put that out there. <laughs> um, yeah, he's a great one because he's, he's a, basically free and especially in redraft leagues. And you, you can most likely get him undrafted. You probably have to spend some, if I had to guesstimate anywhere between probably like a 15th, 13, 14, 15th uh, round pick in Dynasty, which is real, still relatively cheap for a guy like Evan Ingram, still relatively young and, and has shown some ability in the past. I think I think a, a new spot in Jacksonville and an offense that's going to be throwing a lot is, is a good place for him to at least have a shot to rejuvenate his career. So definitely fits the mold of the sleeper. Yep. No, I definitely agree. <laughs> I like, I, I think, um, you know, we, we have talked about Ingram a lot. Uh, unfortunately, he's been on more of my bad side, I think, yeah, one of our DraftKings uh, weeks, I uh, I brought up how many times he burned me. You know, how many times I wanted to play him. You know, looking at his talent, what he can do, and everything. Um, and then he just, you know, he delivers the week. I, you know, you least expect it. And then, uh, you know, when you really need him, he doesn't. So we'll definitely see if the change of scenery uh, works for him. Which, you know, we talked about it. It, it may, especially in a, you know, playing from behind offense that uh, you know a, a lot in that division. Um, I think, uh, I think we'll benefit him. So we'll definitely see. Um, I, I try to not talk about him a lot as my, as, as many times as he's, uh, burned me in the past. <laughs> uh, I'll still remember the lineups to where, where all I needed was Ingram to pull through and I would be talking some serious daily fantasy cash and in, in DraftKings and, uh, nope, it <laughs> could not, could not get it that week. Sure. And then next week he, you know, pull, you know, uh, brings in a touchdown so it's just like i could never call his games right yeah i just think he'll have lots of opportunities and if he stays healthy he's he's really athletic he's he, he's like he was like one of those newer tight ends of that new crop of like really fast can jump off the charts combine looks great and he's 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 he was a mismatch from day one he just could never really put it together in new york and i think a change of scenery. It's going to pain me to watch him succeed because he didn't do it in New York. But I, uh, I think the value is there, and that's why I threw him in uh, at sleeper. Um, so you guys remind me: does it go sleeper bust stash, or do we do sleeper stash bust? Lead us. <laughs> you want me to lead it? Okay. Lead us. So, so we'll go and I'll do my stash, my uh, my stash candidate, and 
I'm going to go rookie here, and I'm going to go Tennessee Titans, and I'm going to go with Traylon Burks because he's going to be a wide receiver one. And I think you could still get him because all of the media that's out there right now, it's actually making his draft capital change. (laughs) So I think he ends up still finding a way to be the wide receiver one in Tennessee. He may not do it coming out the gates, but I think at some point they traded away uh, AJ Brown because they like this guy. And I think this year he touches wide receiver two in Tennessee, but next year he'll emerge as the wide receiver one. So he's the type of guy that I would like to put on the bottom end of my uh, roster, which I actually, he is currently on the bottom end of my roster in, in, in our dynasty league. And I can do a wait and see approach with him, but I think he'll eventually emerge as a wide receiver one. So I'm going Traylon Burks, Tennessee. All right. Well, I think you, I think you evaluated him, right? Like, especially bringing up all the, um, you know, criticism he's getting with asthma and all, all this and that. Right. Um, my only, uh, only criticism there is, uh, you know, I, I say, why, why not uh, put him up there in the sleeper category? Right. I, I, I guess looking at our leads, I see what you're saying where, where he's at on your, on your lineup. Um, but if we're just, you know, we're trying to give it like advice, how we think they're going to turn out. Um, if, if you're saying he's going to be the number one on the Titans, he in helping Ken, King Henry out, which is what I was saying they need. Then uh, I think he needs to be a little bit higher in the, on the radar, but uh, it's big shoes to fill. Um, it's a big question mark. You saw Rabel's reaction when they when they traded Brown in the in the room in the draft room that day too, right? Like he, he it's like someone um, you know um, took his jo- dog from him or something, right? So um, definitely, definitely um, wait and see how the season goes. Um, I'll just say, hey, be, be more be more bullish with him if if you think he's gonna turn into something. Yeah, I like yeah. I like Burks too. You know he's uh, obviously really expensive in rookie drafts, going off in the top four picks off the board. Uh, but he's a guy that it, ideally, if you can put him on your on your stash him on your bench and let your veteran players kind of take the lead at the beginning of the season, just to kind of see how Burks pans out while he gets feet under him, I think he can fit the the mold of a, a, a stash play at least in that regard. Gaffy Carmen, do you have anything else to add on on Burks? No, no, I I think, I'll, like I said, the only reason why I didn't put him at sleeper, Aaron, is. I tend not to put rookies as sleepers. It's just my own personal thing. I, yeah. For me, sleepers have to be like, I think it's someone who's been in the league, maybe was a little bit, you know, not struggling, change the scenery is going to do better. Or a guy who's been in the league has been hurt, who could emerge as like, as like the man, like that's kind of my own take on sleepers. I tend to put rookies as stash candidates. Um, so, and, and I think Robert Woods is probably going to be wide receiver one in Tennessee. I mean, that's just me being honest. Oh, I mean, reach. I love that. <laughs> you know, you know what I'm saying? But it's, it's Woods has done nothing but prove himself from the minute he he's played. So who are we to sit here and say that Traylon Burks is going to from day one is going to outperform Robert Woods. I think that's a reach. And that's kind of why I put Traylon Burks at that stash category. Cause I think maybe next year he might be the, the wide receiver one, but I don't think he's going to do it this year. All right. So you, you, you redeemed yourself. Don't do this, but if you want captain Carmen and I do to ever agree on something, just say the name Bobby Woods. 
<laughs> oh man, we can talk you about the stories. Hours on end. Oh man, man, there's not often that we agreed on some on things, Kamish. But uh, the Robert Woods Fan Club is going strong, brother. We've been doing victory laps on that tour for about four years now, but that's okay. The rest of the Dynasty community can hold the L up in the air on Robert Woods. <laughs> so, Kamish, what do you got for your uh, your stash candidate? So, my depth piece is a guy who was getting he's getting a, a lot of flack. Earlier in the offseason, um, you know, his team, his team made some moves. They, 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 they flipped around a couple pieces on their roster, and that's the Jacksonville Jaguars. They fire Urban Meyer. They get some credibility back in that regard. And then they, what do they do? They immediately sign Christian Kirk to a four-year, $72 million contract. And, you know, like I said, it, it was a, it kind of made him a laughing, laughing stock in the early part of the offseason. But if you look up where he's, you know, he's going right now, he's expert consensus ranking 117th which is 10th round ADP, and he's right here at 48 off the board, which is really, really low in my opinion here. And I know you can queue up, though he's never had a 1,000-yard receiving season. You know, you can queue that up you know, immediately when you hear Christian Kirk's name. But I think he slots in really well to be Trevor Lawrence's unquestioned top pass-catching option. And I know they say money talks, but just look at the rest of the depth chart. Now you got 32-year-old Marvin Jones. you got Zay Jones coming in here. Laquan Treadwell, like, are we still trying to make him a thing? Like, you know, LaVisca Chenault, like, forget about it. Like, none of those guys are uh, anything close to alpha material. And even if you don't think Kirk is a, you know, a true alpha in his own right, there's plenty of meat on the bone here for him to massively outproduce that ADP. If you just look at the some of the game scripts that this team's going to be in, you know, the Jacksonville defense, you know, they're not going to be doing the offense many favors. They were 28th in points allowed a season ago. And I know they didn't dr- invest heavy draft capital, including number one overall pick into their defense, but it's going to take some time for that unit to rebuild, especially as they're going through a a coaching change. And, you know, he's 26 years old. He's entering his prime and he's actually coming off his best season yet. You know, he played 17 games last year and he caught 77 balls for 982 yards and five touchdowns. It was good for WR 26 and PPR formats. And that was in a better offense, of course, but that was a crowded room last year between guys like Rondell Moore and AJ Green, DeAndre Hopkins when he was on the field. And Zach Ertz on the field. So a lot of mouths to feed out in Arizona. So he's going from a really crowded situation to a not so crowded situation in the wide receiver room. And what I like most about him is, is, is the cost. You know, he's relatively inexpensive right now. And I think he's a quality flex play right out of the gate. And he may even be a guy that you can you can stash on your, you know, on your bench and not even in your starting lineup. And he has plenty of upside to outperform that that at ADP or you know, wherever he's going in startups at the moment. So He's not someone I, I love as a player, but I think that he's has enough talent and he's going to get enough opportunities to be very fantasy viable for the Jacksonville Jaguars this season. Preach, preach, preach. <laughs> I'm all aboard the Christian Kirk, Captain Kirk bandwagon. There we go. Let's rekindle this Robert Woods connection, baby. Let's keep it going for another fight. <laughs> that's, that's, that's your right. next guy, right? Wow, man. I guess I got to burst your guy's bubble. <laughs> man. Well, Here's the thing. Here's the one thing you got going for you where I can't argue with you too much because you're saying that he's a stash guy, right? Because um, that's not really like same thing I said with Ingram um, or no, with Burks being a stash guy is where you're not re- like you're not putting a whole lot out on the line there where basically the Jaguars are right They're They put out 70 million on this guy. And yeah, we're not talking real football, but if you're if you're kind of relying on that offseason move with the Jaguars to be one of your, um, let's say, wide, you know, wide receiver one, wide receiver two, 
I think that's definitely bus can- candidate uh, worthy, right? But you're mentioning him down in the stash worthy where, if, you know, maybe some weeks you might put him. If you got him, if you're in a position, you can play him as your flex. I think, yeah, he, he's going to rip it up. Like, it's all about ADP. That's how I kind of value these guys, where, where they kind of fit on your roster. That's kind of just how I've looked at how we've done all these weeks, week to week. So I don't actually... I'm not arguing with you at all with any of your logic and how you value them as a stash player. But if we want to keep, if we want to think about how high he's going to go, then I, I think I can go a little bit more like argumentative with him to say, um, you know, I, I don't know how high, I don't think he's going to be a top 24 wide receiver. That's oh. how, you know, I guess that's going to be my uh, take there. I don't think he makes top 24. Where do you have him? Um, well, let, let's save this for the bus category. I, I got a little bit of that. I think we'll, once we get down to bus. <laughs> well, I got him at top 15. So book that. All right. All right. Well, um, I guess while we're on the subject, let's just, I guess, go out of, out of order a little bit. It, I guess it's just a too good of a segue to be true where I didn't necessarily have Kirk as my bus player. What I did do is I put the whole Jaguars wider seating core as bus where <laughs> <laughs> I said, don't rely on them at all. Uh, where you're not going to, you're not going to want to rely on any of those guys. Right. I think that offense now, like I said, I was kind of hinting earlier when I said Trevor Lawrence has a, a season. He, he's got to prove something this year. Right. He just came off of only throwing 12 touchdowns. Right. I mean, how many wide, year after year, we get one wide receiver scoring, you know, 10 to 12 plus touchdowns himself. Right. So Lawrence threw 12 total and 17 picks last year. Right. So I, I, I think the key to a success to kind of turn his career around is not necessarily like a a showy season, but he's got to turn the ball over less. Like I said, that's why I was so high on ETN where I think they're going to dump the ball off more to ETN and, and be a little bit more conservative. Um, I actually also think that Marvin Jones lines up as the number, the, the wide receiver one on the team, as far as the depth chart goes, um, where they line up as right. Kirk will probably outscore Marvin Jones, but matchup wise, what he's good at, you know, I think the, the, the routes that he runs and whatnot, I think as a fantasy owner, you're going to want him to, to not take that, that number one spot over year one after this big contract year, um, you know, they're going to want them to, but I think you're going to, I think teams are going to be sorry if they don't, you know, they don't uh, put a better, stronger corner on Marvin Jones. So I actually put the whole Jaguar Jaguars wide receiver core as a bus because they just have, I feel like they just have too many names. Like, as you mentioned, they got Marvin Jones still in the mix and it's not like he's not going to get snaps and playing time. Um, Kirk will for sure with how much they spent on him. Say Jones, I think he, I think he gets a little bit of involvement. Evan Ingram, like you said, he, they'll all just show flashes, I think. Um, and then not to mention giving more targets to Etienne now in year two. So I really think it's just more of a all around approach. No, no one's the clear cut stud on that team. Um, just looking at how looking at that division, right? They got the Titans in the, in the Colts to play against. And it's really a team that's just, I, I feel like they're going to get stomped on and only way they're not going to get stomped on is to be more conservative, and that's not good for fantasy offensive players. So that's my that's my take. Is I really don't like any of the Jags, and you brought up Lavisca Lavisca Chenault. I hated him. <laughs> I hate um, him as a fantasy player. 
Um, he's a great, you know, he's a great gimmick guy. He, he can bring life to your offense. He can do some great, great plays here and there, but that's another guy in the mix where like, that's just going to be a thorn in Kirk's side as well to, to have Chenault, um, you know, dancing around out there too, to where I think it's just too much of a committee wide receiver approach over in um, Jacksonville. So one thing while we're on the, the short area target thing, you know, you, you said that you, you think they're going to keep it simple with ETN in the receiving game. And I agree with you on that. I think they are going to keep it simple. And I think ETN will be involved, but you know, Christian Kirk is a guy who predominantly plays out of the slot, which is another position where guys run short area routes that are they're going to be those simple passes for a guy like Trevor Lawrence to get the ball out of his hand quickly to. Now, in fact, last season, Christian Kirk lined up for 967 plays a year ago, and 703 of those are in the slot. So I think that there is – I disagree with you. I think there is plenty of room for him as their primary slot receiver to be on the field a ton and get a ton of volume. The two things that we always talk about, on the field with the football in your hands. So I think that he's a guy that is going to get plenty of work and those, those quick reads from Trevor Lawrence to try to simplify the game for him. And I think he does massively outperform that ADP. I don't think he's necessarily a top 15 guy, but I think he's a safe mid-range to back-end WR2 in his first season in Jacksonville. So that's all I have to say about Kirk. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump on here because I can, I'm going to go right into my crystal ball. All right? And oh, hold on, not even that. I'm, I'm going to paint a picture <laughs> for the fans who listen to this show into the psyche of downtown Brown. And I'm going to help everyone else understand this who's listening. Downtown Brown made a big trade to get a certain running back in a dynasty league by the name of Travis Etienne. So now he's drinking the (laughs) Kool-Aid full bore. So the way he's best convinced himself that it's going to be the Etienne show is to convince himself that there's no other fantasy viable options in Jacksonville and that it's totally going to be the Etienne show because he made a deal to get Etienne. So (laughs) why make a trade if you don't think that's what's going to happen? Because, I mean, it's okay to make a trade, but you don't have to go that far into the deep end, Aaron. (laughs) You don't have to go that far into the deep end. So I disagree with the whole – I love the fact that the Jaguars wide receiver core is horrible, except for Christian Kirk. I love the fact that he's going to get a ton of volume and he's going to be playing garbage time. I mean, people look at it all the time, and the guy I always keep bringing up is – Brandon Cooks. I mean, Kamish, where does Brandon Cooks end up fantasy-wise in, in the grand spectrum? Where do I think he's going to land this season? And, and no, where, to, the last couple of years, where has he landed? Uh, he's like a mid-range to back-end WR2. Right. But no one ever values him that, right? Yeah. And the large portion of that is because of the amount of garbage stuff he gets, right? Yeah, I see a lot of that in Kirk as well. They're very different players schematically, but I think they can finish in fantasy in a similar tier for the same reason. Exactly. And I think Kirk's uh, – I actually – I'm bullish on Kirk. I think he's a top 15 guy for fantasy points. I think he's going to get fed so much volume that he's going to be flirting with over 1,000 yards, no problem, over 100 catches, no problem. I think he's going to get a ton of volume. 
So, Aaron, you went right to your bus, but you skipped your stash. <laughs> I did. I did. It was too good of a segue, right? It, it was just too good. Um, I'll go. I'll, I'll say my stash here. Um, might might be kind of quick here. Um, I went Jelani Woods with the Colts, right? Um, for the couple of reasons where I think, you know, when we talked about evaluate, evaluating rookies, right, especially tight ends, I really like where they land, right? So Jelani Woods, they they actually um, spent a second round pick on him kind of flying out of the radar. Um, and that kind of shows how high they are on this guy. And kind of look at him just, this is his main stats. They're being six, seven, two fifty three, and running a four, six forty. Um, I kind of don't blame him where it, it, is he the diamond and the rough tight end in the league, right? Where he was kind of overlooked where um, yeah, may, maybe they reached a little bit, but, Look at the position um, battle. I actually think he's going to get legitimate playing time. I think Mo Ali Cox is going to be the the number one for them just because of how good of a blocker he is. But I think you're going to see a lot of flashes in the receiving game. He's going to make some flashy, um, you know, receiving plays. Not, not to say like he's worth starting um, here and there. It might be a, a maybe a very sneaky uh, pick six guy at some point in the in the year. You never know, but. Um, I think he's worth a stash um, showing that, um, you know, Colts really can't land on a, on a tight end uh, starting tight end, you know, the last couple of years to where I think they're trying to make a stab. They're kind of showing they're trying to risk a lot to maybe he's their next uh, tight end one, probably not year one, but I like him as stash play. Yeah. I, I think, I think that's a good stash call out. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's, he's one of those guys, if you got the spot in your, the bottom end of your roster, you throw them in there and you wait and see like commissioners always brought it up. You know, you typically uh, rookie tight ends, you got to really be patient with them, right? You got to wait it out unless they're that, you know, freak talent, like, you know, pits, but you typically you got to wait till year two or year three before you can actually really start seeing some value out of them. So if you're patient, it could work out. What, what say you commish? Yeah. Yeah. You- Kind of stole a little bit of my thunder there. I I guess I'm kind of a broken record on when I when I talk about rookie tight ends, which is why I think I think Woods fits the uh, fits the bill for a good stash candidate, particularly in leagues where if you have deep roster spots or maybe a taxi squad, which you know the best leagues do. But you know they uh, <laughs> he's a guy that uh you know, just had to throw that in there. Yeah, <laughs> just, just like to ed- educate everybody, including the co-host, at, at whenever I can. But uh, I'll, I'll keep going here on Woods quickly. You know, he's he's showed really well at Virginia in his lone season last you know last year. I think uh, he's a good stash play. You could toss him on the end of a bench or one of those awesome Daxon squad spots. And you kind of wait and see if he develops. So a lot of the things that I said about Alec Pierce and from an opportunity standpoint are also true of Jelani Woods. You know, it's just that the tight ends typically take a little bit longer to develop. And Mo Ali Cox is uh, by no means a household name, but he's a guy that, is probably going to be blocking him at least somewhat to start the season, where the team, you know, teams will almost always have more than one receiver on the field, which will get Alec Pierce out there. There's going to be plenty of times where they only have the one tight end on the field. I just think it'll take uh, Woods a little bit of time to develop into that that starting tight end role, but definitely fits the mold of, of a, a quality stash play for the future. Okay. All right. So uh, I guess we're on to our busts, Kamish, right? Because uh... – Brown Town chose the whole wide receiver core. I, I think he said basically everyone who catches the ball not named Travis Etienne. Pretty That's much. Pretty, pretty <laughs> much where he went. A lot of so, shovel, uh, shovel passes coming in Jacksonville this year. 
So uh, you want to go with your bus candidate? Yeah, I'll, I'll break it out there. And this one is really more of a, a true a true dynasty bust, and specifically in Superflex formats more so than anything else. And that's Davis Mills of the Houston Texans. He's currently going in, in Superflex rankings, dynasty formats. He's 96 in expert consensus ranking. Uh, that's eighth-round ADP and QB 22 overall. I don't so much have an issue with that if it was for just this season. But you know, my dislike for Mills is really has nothing little to do with him with himself. And more so with the situation situation around him. You know, he did actually look confident for stretches down down the towards the end of the season last year on a bad team. But just look at the Texans as a whole. You know, the team was awful last season. You know, their defense specifically, they were ranked 27th in points allowed in 2022, which is just god awful. And what do they do? They promote their defensive coordinator to head coach. Like you just can't make this up here. You know, you know, if you look, you know, flip it to their offensive side of the ball here, they didn't get a whole lot better. You know, so the team is still going to struggle. And I just foresee them picking in the top 10 again next season in a better QB class a year from now. You know, Mills has third round capital invested in him, which isn't that great for a quarterback. The hit rate in that round is really low, despite a few guys, you know, coming out of the woodwork. You know, most of those guys just don't pan out. And so he's easy to move on from. You know, even though it's not going to be all Davis Mills' fault, I just think he's going to be the, the scapegoat for it. And he's going to be getting replaced. You know, this is just really a case of bad organizations doing what bad organizations do. And if, you, if you're holding on to him right now in a one QB league, I'd be flipping him for anything you can get. I literally traded him the other day in a league I'm competing in, and I have some quarterback depth for a 2025 third round pick. Like, that's how low I am on him in dynasty circles in one QB. I wouldn't flip him for that in Superflex just because, you know, there is, there is value in any starting quarterback. He's not a bad third, maybe fourth option if you, if you want to stash him for this season. But I'd be looking to move on if I could, you know, at, at any turn. And like I said, it really has very little to do with Mills himself and a lot more to do with what I see coming down the pike a year from now from, from Houston when they're looking at another, another top probably six or seven pick with legit quarterback talent on the board. I just think they're not going to be able to pass that up. They're going to fall in love with the guy, and they're going to replace Mills as soon as they can a year from now. Yeah. Yeah, you know why I hate Davis Mills? Please tell me. Anyone have an idea why I hate Davis Mills? Because you didn't get into Stanford? Nope. Because we're, I'm in a dynasty league with someone who keeps sending me horrible <laughs> offers for Davis Mills. Like, <laughs> That's funny. Me short of saying the person's name, we all know who we're talking about. It's got it's to be, be the guy I just traded Davis Mills to. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh my God. It's brutal. Every day I get a bull crap <laughs> offer with Davis Mills. And I'm like, I can't stand Davis Mills. He's a good fourth quarterback, but I don't need a fourth quarterback. So I'm all set. So I actually agree with you on the bus take. What, what, what say you, Mr. Brown? Yeah, I thought, I actually thought you were going to say it's because you had probably the best. Uh, take of all probably all season. If, if, if we come up with a show like best quotes of 2021, oh, oh, I think yeah. you talked about yeah. <laughs> Davis Mills. You said David Davis Mills is going to be the on uh, the back of a General Mills uh, 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 cereal box, I think, or milk box or something. Um, so that you know, that was a good take, but unfortunately, kind of lit the Patriots up that week where he's starting, <laughs> where he, I think he threw like three touchdowns or something. Definitely surprised you. So I think he's got a little bit in him, like um, Kamish said. But I, I definitely agree with all the takes there where um, he's going to be a good scapegoat, as you said, where he's going to be easy to move on from. I, I loved all those points to where I think that's exactly what's going to happen. He, it's 
it made sense for the Texans not to take a stab on a couple other QBs this year and make a silly trade for Baker or somebody like that. Just, you know, Mills did what he needed to do last year to, to own the job this year. And then, yeah, as better talent come better young talent comes along, they'll probably move on from him. So I, I agree with that take. All right. So before we get into 23 draft topic, my bust is none other than Travis Etienne. Ooh, there's my bust. And a couple of reasons why one, I think the ask for him right now in dynasty circles and draft capital is ridiculous considering he's never played in the NFL. Um, Secondly, the head coach of the Jaguars has openly said that Robinson is a three down back and that he expects him to carve out a big workload in this offense. So that is not something you want to hear if you own Travis Entian. And I just don't think he's going to be worth where people are valuing him. I don't, I think, okay, maybe he ends up being James white 2.0. That's where I'm going with Travis Etienne. Oh, wow. James white 2.0. That's I'm literally calling it now. So that's, that's where I'm going. He's my bust. Everyone else can have him at that high price that they want to pay for him. I'm all set. I guess I'll pass since everyone knows my take already with him. I think I think that's a little little harsh on my boy there, Kamish. What I, what, what are you thinking? So I think it is a little harsh on him. I know I understand what you're saying. The cost you acquire him is really high because he was a, a top five pick a season ago in rookie drafts, and, and people just haven't seen it yet. So they, if you invested a lot in him, you're not going to move on from him for for cheap. And the one thing I'll say about James Robinson is that you know there were reports yesterday that he's not going to be ready for training camp. You know, this is he's coming off a major injury that he suffered. I think I want to say it was week 17 that he, yeah, that really like December. I want to say, yeah, so he's not, he's not going to be ready for for camp, which means he's not going to be ready to take on a a legit workload early on in the year, or you know, he probably won't be able to take on a full workload until towards the end. So I think ETN is going to get the first crack. And if you look at the rest of the depth chart, there's not much away on that team that's going to take any run away from ETN. So I, I don't. Necessarily, I don't agree with the take. I think ETN is going to be very fantasy viable in year one, but I do agree that he's really expensive. And there is a, certainly a degree of risk associated with a guy who's never played in the NFL for a high price. So I understand where you're coming from. I do think he is ranked in a range where he could be outperformed by the guys around him, where I could see him fitting the bust in that mold. So I, I guess I could talk myself into it. I just don't personally see it panning out that way. But that's the fun part. We'll see how, how it goes this season. To, I'll, I'll to, to be I'll, fun, to be fun about it, I'm gonna say a hot take coming in, coming in hot. I say, uh, I say he finishes ahead of uh, Swift in Detroit. Okay, I say Rojo outscores him in Kansas City. Ooh. All right, mark the, <laughs> You gotta mark those down, Kamish. We gotta revisit. Hey, I, these. Can't type, <laughs> I can't write down the hot takes fast enough for me to tonight. Nope. <laughs> So we got we got wherever okay here's the easier way that wherever Swift lands, um, Etienne's going to uh, outscore it where wherever it is. <laughs> well, and I, you know Swift likes to take a few weeks off every year, so we'll see. And like I said, Rojo, not even the starter right now, is going to outscore Travis Etienne. Ooh. Mark my words. That's good. We got to get you a, a Bobata account so we can. James White. Jeez. You guys are all drinking the Kool-Aid. Enjoy that. 
Enjoy it. James White. This is this is Royce Freeman all over again, Pat. Royce <laughs> Freeman. To be fair, James White actually had some pretty good fancy years. Yeah, you say he's two point oh. It's not bad. Have you looked at James White's <laughs> draft history and where you get him versus Travis Etienne? It's ridiculous. <laughs> People want two first round picks for a guy who's never even played a snap in the NFL. Well, 2018, James White did finish PPR RB6 overall. Yeah, but do you know when he, what his draft capital was going into that year? Yeah, it's probably nothing, which means he massively outperformed it, right? Right, but my point being, when you're asking for the moon for a guy who's never played a snap in the NFL. <laughs> oh, sure. Then, that just means you got good takes. <laughs> yeah, okay. You got, you got a good crystal ball. <laughs> My crystal ball is saying Royce Freeman. Get ready. Okay. He's going to, he's going to, he's going to, he's going to bust. I can't wait. I can't wait for him <laughs> to be a bust. It's going to be fun. Duly noted. All right. Let's get into this 23 topic. Come if you want to set the table. Yeah, I'll do that. And I, I'll be as brief as I can, but we're essentially, what we're talking about here are future draft picks and kind of how to value them in a dynasty league and a lot of mistake that young dynasty managers make early on in their, in their years of playing dynasty are they move on from future draft picks too early. And that's because they're the hardest thing for a fantasy manager to value, which is, which is logical because most people before they get into dynasty, they start out with redraft and, and they know how to value players that score points for them. And it's pretty easy to conceptualize the concept of age. You know, obviously you want young productive players. So even if you've just played redraft, you can kind of at least per- figure out relatively quickly that, you know, I want the young producers over the older producers. So that's easy, but the drafts are a little bit more complicated. And until you've gone through a few rookie drafts, it's hard to really get a sense of just how to value those draft picks. And that's even more true when you're talking about a, a class that has a ton of hype surrounded, surrounding it. And that's the case here with the 2023 class. And we can go through, you know, the names at, at, at a later date. We have a whole year to pick through those, but you know, there, there's a, a, a lot of really good running back prospects. And there's there may even be four or five quarterbacks taken in round one of the NFL draft, depending on how this college season pans out, which should be great for Superflex because it pushes a lot of running back and wide receiver talent down the board. So as a dynasty manager, you need to be roughly aware of what's coming in future classes. You know, you, I don't expect every single dynasty manager to be able to rattle off the names of all these guys right now a year in advance, but you should know where the community is valuing picks like this. And in these cases, you want to be extremely careful with your future assets, particularly with your first and second round draft picks. You know, you really shouldn't be trading these draft picks unless your team is a true contender. And that's even the case if you have to wait until the season starts to figure that out. And in doing that, one, you get to see your players performing well. And two, you get a little bit closer to that, that upcoming class before you move on from your draft picks, because there's nothing worse in Dynasty than not being a playoff team and being bad for a year or two and having that benefit other owners getting to use your, your early draft picks to benefit themselves and you know, essentially having the rich get richer while you stay, you stay poor. So it's something that you need to be mindful of and you'd be, be mindful about taking advantage of wherever you can on this. You know, if you, if you are a contender and your team is good and you think you're one piece away from being the top contender in the league, it is okay to move on from these draft picks as, as, as long as you really are as good as you think that you are. You know, because the picks in a hype class like this will carry a lot more value than they would normally. So make sure to know that know what you have before you want from these picks. But if you are a really good contender, don't be afraid to do so. Just make sure you have all your ducks in a row and that you've done all your homework 
before you move on from picks like that. And the last piece I'll throw out there on this is to target these picks as early as you can. You know, if you get a little bit of a heads up on your league, you're one of the people that pays attention the most in your league, and you can kind of stockpile these picks a year or two in advance. You know, if you have an aging player that might have a good year left, don't be afraid to get out of them a year early to grab a future first a year or two from now for, you know, these guys that you think are going to be really good coming down the pike. So your league mates may not have done their homework yet. So take advantage if you are one of the savvier dynasty owners in your league who is paying attention two or three years out. So it always pays to pay attention to dynasty. And one way you could really make it big in dynasty is to identify a highly, a hyped class in the future and hanging on to those assets and making the right decisions when the time comes. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Robinson, Evans, Robinson. I'm telling you right now, there's six running backs minimum in this 23 class. And I'm, I'm bought in on the hype. I don't know. I don't own any of those picks yet, but I got plenty of assets to move if needed. So I, I've got a good amount of second round. I'm in that spot commission where I'm more of a win now team. And I totally agree with just what you're saying though. Like, if you know you're not a win now team and you're not in that top two, top three, you know, dynasty rankings, don't deal your picks. Stay on them. Hold on to them. I made that mistake early in my dynasty career. I think we probably all have done that at one point in time where it's just like, oh, I can trade this pick that's two years from now for Julio Jones. And at the time, it's like, oh, wow, what a great decision that was. And then when you're looking up, realizing, oh, crap, I'm not making the playoffs and I don't own any of my picks. Now I don't even get a chance at these this stud class. And this is a loaded class um, with quarterbacks, running backs. There's plenty of wideouts. There's tight ends. This is a good class. So I, I agree with everything you're saying. Um, and... and and it's and it's very difficult. It's super difficult if you're new to Dynasty to not get sucked into trading future assets for uh, proven veterans. But the veteran Dynasty league mates will take full advantage of the situation. So they sure will. You know. <laughs> uh, so yeah. that's kind of my take on it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I think one, a couple points. I think both of you may have said um, two is. Cool thing is there's, there's still hope. So like if you find yourself in one of those positions where you trade away those guys and you're, you're trying to win now, we've talked about strategy in, in dynasty where like there's different parts of the season that, you know, if you come to this realization that you're, you're maybe not a competitor, obviously the earlier, the better. Sometimes it's even mid mid season. You're, you're waiting for a guy to make a, um, you know, late season playoff push or something. Hopefully you haven't waited that long. Right. But as Kamish said, you know, deal one of your your um, veterans, right? Like one of your one of your studs, right? Like your even you know CMCs or Davin Cooks or people like that that are getting older and, and still have some um, you know credibility in the league. Um, you know, you can maybe come away with you know at least one of those nice picks or something like that, right? So um, I think a cool part is even if you have made mistakes in Dynasty, hopefully. You haven't trade away all your assets to where you don't have anything to sell and you're just left with a bunch of old guys and the league's too wise to to trade for them. I think that's 
when you're at the point where I don't, you know, I don't know, commission, I might need to take notes from you. I don't even know what you do at that point where nobody even wants to trade with you and you have no picks. Hopefully I don't ever, <laughs> hopefully I don't ever run into that position, but I think that's what you don't want to have happen. Yeah. That's the worst place to be quite honestly. You know, it's okay to be a last place team or a second to last place team. If you have your own draft picks, you know, for the foreseeable future, because you can, you can build it up. And when you have those assets, things can change relatively quickly in fantasy, particularly when would high profile classes come up. You know, if you, if you hold on to your, if you only have your 2023 first and your team's really bad, hold that asset, make it the one-on-one. And then when the, when your draft comes around, don't be afraid to flip that for three or four future first round picks. Like, cause that now you're in business, you know, now you're, you know, now you're priming the pump and you're ready to go in the future. But yeah, the worst thing you can do is not have your own picks because then Essentially, the only thing you can do is start filling your roster with a bunch of flyers and start flipping go, flipping guys for whatever you can get to, to play the value game. And, and it, But that's talking like years and years of digging in and rebuilding, which so it's the worst place to be. But yeah, know what, know the value of your of your know what your league values, know what your team is, and then make your decisions from there. Like know how you stack up in your league and know what your league mates want. And that will that will get you ahead, at least ahead of the curve a little bit in terms of how to value your draft picks. So hang on to them until you know you're a contender. Don't sell them too early because if you do, the sharks are going to come for you in your dynasty leagues, and there could be <laughs> until you have nothing left to trade. Yeah, I think so. Here's my thing: is too if you know. You, you got to be realistic. And I think that's the biggest part with rookie dynasty owners. And I fell into that. I fell into that early in my dynasty is that I wasn't realistic with my actual roster. You know what I mean? And I commission you, you were the part of that. You were part of that league. And, um, and I, and I think, you know, more than anyone, I killed that draft. I, I, cr- I probably had the best, team coming out of that draft yeah you murdered the startup draft and then you trade your team into oblivion you know death via a thousand paper cuts yeah <laughs> if i showed you my actual starting roster it was re- i outdrafted everyone in that draft i completely did and and i proceeded to just get caught up in, dra- in trading and then i i dug myself even further in a hole because i didn't quite understand the value of those rookie picks so I'm going to put you on the spot right now, Kamish. I want two quick answers. Superflex and Standard Dynasty. Who's your number one pick coming out of 23? Go. Yeah, tough call. But for the moment, in Superflex, I'll go with Bryce Young, quarterback, Alabama. Um, just because of the value of the, of the quarterback position and what he's been able to show in his time with the Crimson Tide. You know, I think he's the you're probably the betting favorite to win the Heisman this year. And I don't see Alabama falling off at all. They'll probably be right back in the national championship this year. And if we're being honest, they're probably going to win. So he'll have that Alabama uh, magic dust on him. So he'll probably be the top guy off the board in the NFL draft, which will probably make him the top guy in Superflex drafts. For running back, I'll probably go B. John Robinson out of Texas. You know, he's probably the top running back on the board for your for your one QB leagues. But you know, a lot can change in a year. Uh, there's a lot of really high-profile prospects here. And I believe I actually saw a stat that Texas actually didn't have anyone drafted in the NFL last season, which is the first time in a long time for them. But I think Robinson's going to write that ship next year. And we see, will probably see him take go at some point in the late first round of the NFL draft, if not the early second round. 
So those are my two guys in the 23 class at the moment, at, at the very, very top. But it really is a deep class, and we could probably talk all day about it, you know, even a year in advance. Yeah, Stroud is getting a lot of hype, too. Yeah, he's right there for QB2 for me. He's breathing down Young's neck, honestly. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess we'll, we'll have more to talk about with, you know, valuations, the 23 class, all that fun stuff. Um, any final hot takes before we close this one out? I don't have necessarily hot takes to throw out there. I just think – I think we covered a lot in terms of the, the AFC South and the you know, the value of the 23 picks. So even if you don't know all the guys' names, just just know, just know that if you're holding those 23 picks, value the crap out of them and don't sell them cheap. Hold on to them, let them accrue in value, and that's your best course of action if you're a middle-of-the-road or a uh, bottom-of-the-pack team. That's all. I, that's really all I have on that front. Yeah, don't let me keep coming off these hot takes. Soon Etienne will be a 1,000,000 thousand player next year. <laughs> Soon Etienne will be working at Walmart. <laughs> all right, so like I always say, peace.